Welcome, welcome, geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today, we are joined by Greg Wiseman, the writer and creator behind such beloved series as Young Justice and Gargoyles. We'll be talking about a brand new DC animated movie he has out, Catwoman Hunted. All that and more, so stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. Driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing us on the Big 550 KTRS. Hello to you, and thank you for listening. If you're streaming us out there in the world on the KTRS website, hello to you out there, parts unknown. And, of course, if you're watching us on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you are, hopefully on YouTube you're hitting that subscribe button so you get a notification every time we go live, and you're able to also see our back catalog anytime we put something new up, like when Joey and I did our Suicide Squad review. That seems like it was not that long ago, but it was a while ago. Um, you'll get a notification anytime we do that as well. Thank you to our newest Twitch watchers and subscribers, Cupcakeable. And we just had a new one today, Quiet Riot 24. So hello to you on Twitch. And we do thank you for watching us on there. Uh, this is a live show, but it's a pre recorded segment. I had a chance to talk with Greg Wiseman earlier uh, this past week about this new project. We're very excited about it. Before we get to interview, though, I want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor, without whom this show would not be possible. They were the very first people to jump on board and agree to sponsor Geeked Me Radio way back in 2016, and they've been with us ever since. And that is, of course, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. You know them by the website discoverstcharles.com. Com. They are a great place to visit. If you're here locally, you may have not been out there for a while. You might want to get out and see the new stores, the new restaurants, the new things there are to do out in St. Charles. There's a rock wall place right there behind where the train cars are on that little curb by Riverside Drive. I had no idea that was there. It's an indoor rock climbing place. So that's something fun to do, especially if you're not wanting to be outdoors in this cold, snowy weather we're having. Go inside, burn off some energy, and climb some walls. Uh, There's always something fun to see and do in St. Charles. And if you're listening to this and you're from outside the greater St. Louis area, plan a visit. Spring is right around the corner. I may not seem like it since half the country just got snow. But spring is coming, and it's a great place to come see. If you're looking for someplace new you haven't visited before, check out St. Charles. You can start planning your entire trip right from the website, discoverstcharles.com. Again, that website, discoverstcharles.com for an historically Good time. As I said, we're talking this entire hour. We've got my interview with Greg Wiseman. We are going to dive right into it, talking about Catwoman Hunted and all the other cool things that he has been working on. Here we go. 
Right now we're talking with writer, producer, actor, author, Greg Wiseman. It's been a while since we've had him on the show. I had to go back and look. Uh, Greg, you were on the ninth episode back in September of 2016. And when I was looking at that, it was funny because we talked all about, oh, it'd be great to get another season of Young Justice after that second season. The hashtag was trending. You were talking about how Netflix said it was trending very well. And then, boom, we got the notification in November. So I kind of want to say I'm your good luck charm. <laughs> uh, well, good. Uh, if we get season five, I'll give all the credit to you. Perfect. I appreciate that. Just just a nice little mention in the credit to be perfect. That's all I need. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been doing so well. Outsiders was well received. Uh, the DC Universe app uh, was one of my favorite things to come out. And then having everything switch over to HBO Max, we got Phantoms now. We're waiting on those last episodes of season four. And then you've also got Catwoman Hunted that comes out in February. So it's uh, you sound like you've been very, very busy since we've last spoken. You know, it's good to be employed. <laughs> <laughs> I have bills to pay. I had, I had not anymore. They've, they're completely uh, fully functional adult human beings now, but I had kids to put through college. Ah. And, uh, um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I uh, tried very hard to stay busy. Uh, didn't always succeed, but mostly did. And with Catwoman Hunted, we'll, we'll start with that. Uh, we just mentioned it comes out on physical release and on demand uh, February the 8th. And if you're listening right now, we're going to give away a couple copies of that later on in the show. So stay tuned for that. This one, it was very interesting. We were getting a Catwoman series because you, you could almost do a movie about each one of Batman's rogues galleries. So there's, there's such deep and fascinating characters that have been fleshed out through writers across the decades. With Catwoman, was this, I'm curious about the development, was this something that you pitched to the studio? Was the studio saying, hey, we want a Catwoman thing, and they asked you to pitch? Talk a little bit about the development process for this, if you would. Um, so, uh, they had done an anime-style Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had done well for them, both creatively and commercially. And so they're like, we should do more anime, DC anime. And, and they let me know that. And there was a list, uh, of characters. Uh, it was a fairly long list. You know, we'd be interested in doing something with these characters and Catwoman was on that list. Uh, and those were two separate things. It wasn't like we want Catwoman anime. It was like, hey, we we want to do an anime movie. That was one conversation. And here's a list of characters we're sort of interested in maybe doing a movie about. And I put those two together, those uh, that idea. Um, I'm a huge fan. Well, I'm a huge Miyazaki fan in general, but uh, um, in particular, uh, Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro. Mm-hmm. I had seen many times years ago. Um. And I thought this Catwoman is the perfect vehicle for that kind of film. Um, you know, it's a heist film. Uh, there's a car chase. There's this, there's that. It, I just thought her style, her Elon, uh, this is a good fit for that kind of movie. And, um, and then I consciously didn't go back and watch Castle again. Um, I, I had an impulse to do it and I thought, you know, I better not. Um, it's one thing to be sort of influenced by it. I thought the movie's so good. If I watched it again, it would just sort of overwhelm me and I would either be paralyzed or be copying it. Right. Or whatever, right. You know, yeah. and so I chose not to rewatch it on purpose. Um, 
And uh, I went in and I pitched them uh, an idea for a Catwoman movie uh, that uh, that they liked and then didn't like. And then I pitched them a second idea for a Catwoman movie and they liked that one. And so we made it. <laughs> uh, and uh, so this that was kind of the thing. And we made, you know, some decisions really early on. Uh, I came in and sort of said no Batman in this movie at all. Yeah. He, it's not like he doesn't exist. Um, we can mention him a couple times, you know, because he has an influence on many of the characters that we do have in the movie, but I didn't want him to appear because I thought if Batman is there, then that skews Catwoman's role. She becomes a foil to him or a love interest or a, um, partner or a, uh, you know, an opponent or an antagonist. You know, whatever you do, he's such a big, titanic character, it stops being her movie. Yeah. Um, And that doesn't mean it becomes his movie, but it stops being her movie. And so uh, I pitched it as no Batman. And then uh, one of the DC guys um, suggested, well, what about using Batwoman. And I'm like, yes, that's perfect. Um, so that was not my idea, but I grabbed hold of it immediately because stylistically you couldn't think of two more different characters than Catwoman. And sure. Catwoman is all smile and light and, uh, masking, you know, her serious intent with, um, style. Uh, and Batwoman is, military and pragmatic and precise and they both have a sense of humor but even their humor is very different you know catwoman is quippy not like spider-man but she's you know she's got the smart remark and that kind of thing and uh batwoman's style is really dry you know um sardonic humor and i just thought these are two characters who uh both, you know, empowered females are really going to clash, right, with each other because stylistically they're so different. And then what was fun for me is sort of, if I'm doing my job right, by the end of the movie, you sort of see that underneath all this, um, they really have way more in common than either of them would be prepared to admit. Um, that their actual goals aren't that far apart at all. Um, and so the that was the game plan, to do a movie that was this romp, you know, just this great grand adventure with all these bells and whistles and Mm -hmm. all these fun villains and all this great stuff with all this high style, which anime can do so well. And then slowly reveal that there's a deeper purpose underneath that it isn't quite just the silly story that on the surface it may appear to be. One of the brilliant things about these DC Warner Brothers animated features is they do the original stories like Catwoman Hunted, as well as they do adaptations of the comic book stories like they just had Long Halloween come out. Uh, so you're, you're getting that that original story that you're able to see in animated form, but then you're getting original movies like Catwoman Hunted too, and it's such a great mix of getting that that stuff we're used to with brand new stories. Do you have, uh, when you're writing something like that, I would think as a writer, it's almost better to be able to have the freedom to tell a brand new tale like this one when you've got Black Mask and all these characters you're able to weave into the tapestry. Uh, you know, it, it's 
it's fun to have the fetters off um, on one level. Uh, I like adapting a great story as much as the next guy. I've done it many times, Spider-Man, Young Justice, et cetera. But uh, um, it's always nice to sort of say, okay, uh, I want to get down to the core of these characters, but I'm not specifically adapting a specific story from one comic book or another. Um, I'm sort of free to take these characters uh, at their own, um, on their own journey. And with the voice cast on this one, absolutely great voice cast. Two of the ones that stood out to me, you've obviously worked with on Gargoyles. You've got Keith David in and Jonathan Frakes. Uh, when the casting process was going on, did you kind of say, hey, we'd really like Keith to read for Tobias Whale? Or was it just something like his agent sent him to and you're like, oh, this is brilliant. I get to work with Keith again. I, I don't need Keith to audition ever. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, Keith auditioned for Gargoyles way back, you know, when we were all young. Um, but uh, because, you know, we didn't know his voice work back then. But, uh, you know, I, I don't need Keith to audition. Um, yeah, uh, I think Keith was an obvious choice to play Whale. Um, and he does a fantastic job, as he always does. Um so, uh, yeah, there are a bunch of actors in this um, movie that I've worked with before and I adore and love, and including Kelly Hu, who plays Cheshire on mm. Young Justice, also plays Cheshire on uh, uh, in Catwoman Hunted, and uh, Zara Fuzzle, who plays Talia al Ghul, among many other characters in Young Justice, also plays Talia and, and, and Nosferata here in Catwoman Hunted, and and then there's Frakes and Steve Bloom and uh, Eric Lopez and uh, uh, Jacqueline Oberdors, a bunch of people I've worked with before, and I'm always glad to work with again. Um, the bad news this time out was there was this pandemic thing. I don't know if you heard about it. I but, remember uh, reading something about it. I can't remember what. So I didn't get to go to any, you know, I wasn't present for any of the voice sessions, oh. which was a huge bummer. But, you know, everyone was recording from uh, solo, mm -hmm. often from um, their home or studio somewhere or whatever. And, uh, and I so I, you know, one of, that's one of the most fun parts of the process. And, and just the timing of when we recorded this, uh, we weren't set up for uh, uh, me to be there. And now the voice director is Jamie Thomason, who voice directed Gargoyles. Spectacular Spider-Man, Young Justice, and many, many other things. And I trust Jamie implicitly, and he and I talked about everything beforehand. Um, but yeah, I, I was just bummed not to be able to be there, both to see old friends, yeah. you know, like Jonathan or Keith or something like that. But there are also a bunch of uh, actors in this that I admire uh, that I've never worked with and would have loved to have, you know, actually been there to see what they do. Jonathan Banks um, plays Black Mask, but in particular, Stephanie Beatrice, who I love in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm -hmm. um, and and this was all done before Encanto, but oh, wow. I think what she did in Encanto is amazing. Um, I'm not saying it was done before what she recorded in Encanto, but right. we did this long before I saw Encanto. Right, right. Um, and so I'm a huge fan of hers, but I didn't get to really work with her at all. And Elizabeth Gillies who plays Catwoman and just, she just really caught what we were going for in that. And I loved her work in, 
in particularly in sex and drugs and rock and roll. I mm-hmm. just love that show and I loved her work in it. And I suggested her for the role of Catwoman and then didn't get to work with her. Mm. But I couldn't be happier with how it all turned out. I, I just think the entire cast did a great job and they didn't need me there to do it, obviously. And uh, uh, so I'm not saying, oh man, I wish I was there. I could have made it better. I'm saying I wish I was there because <laughs> It's fun and I missed it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I mean, and I know we've talked to Andrea Romano before and she likes to have everyone in the studio when, you know, Susan Eisenberg was saying she can look over and see the look on Kevin Conroy's face when they're doing Justice League animated. And that's kind of the way that Andrea likes to work. And And again, that's that's how we always work on our show. I mean, Young Justice was always a cast record until the pandemic and then everyone's recording by themselves. And, uh, and, you know, it still works. It's not like you can't get the job done, but it does take, I think, uh, a, a a little bit of the vibe out of it. The, that sort of, uh, even if they're not literally Im- improvising, it takes a bit of that I- improvisational vibe of playing off the other actor out of it, A. And B, it definitely takes a lot of the fun out of it Absolutely. from a recording process um, to not have everyone together. Uh but, you know, I, I'm afraid, like, I'm making it sound like, oh, it's not as much fun. Oh, no, I think no, the I movie's really fun. <laughs> yeah, no. The movie's really fun. It, it just wasn't as much fun to make, especially from the, from the sounds of it, because you didn't, like you said, you didn't get to see them and work with them. Obviously, it's not anything. Because everyone you've hired, you mentioned the cast already, they're all pros. They know what they're doing. And I would think, too, with Young Justice, same like that, that you had the cast already knew each other. So even though they had to during the pandemic segregate and start recording their pieces solo that probably helped them to have that solid foundation of working together previously. So I'm sure it seemed like even less that, uh, I don't want to say they missed a beat, but it's even less so for something like young justice, where they're all used to how the other character sounds and what to expect from the other voice actor they're working with. We're going to talk more with Greg Wiseman all about creating that bond between the characters recording during time of COVID. We'll also talk about Uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, and uh, we'll also discuss a voice role that eluded Greg Wiseman during Young Justice. All that and more right after this. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Hey, guys, this is Kari Payton. I play Cyborg on Teen Titans Go. Booyah! And get ready for some geek to me Radio. I hear it's real good. Welcome back to geek to me Radio. This segment brought to you by Bugs Comics and Games. If you go to their Facebook page, you can give their page a like there, Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook. Of course, their website, BugsComicsAndGames.com. He's uh, just opened a Halloween. I was just in his shop today to drop some stuff off. Uh, I had some comic books. I was like, I don't need these anymore. Let me try to get rid of some stuff. And if you've got things that you're looking to sell... Larry and Tim are always buying. So you take your collection of stuff by there. Give him a call. Make sure, you know, uh, like he just had someone come in today for there was something. And Larry says, I don't really deal in that, but I know who does. And he's able to send the guy in the proper direction. Uh, so even if you don't sell something, he'll be able to send you in the right way, get you the right person who's got 
the ability to buy your stuff. But he's always buying comic books. He's got figures, all sorts of really cool stuff. If you're in the mood to browse, head on out there. He's in O'Fallon right up of Brian Road. Uh, you can check out the hours on his website. Make sure you join the Avengers Discount Club. And if you're watching this right now, you can see I've got the, the tiers here. The more you spend, the more you save every month. You can get discounts on new comics, back issues, toys and games, merchandise, supplies, and you pick an Avenger or a Marvel Comics, DC Comics, doesn't matter, IDW character, Image Comics character, you become an Avenger and you start making savings toward your future comic book purchases. And in this day and age, when the price and everything is going up, that's a huge deal to save some money on your hobby and collecting your comics. Again, give the Facebook page a like, Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook. Check out the website, and uh, you can even go online if you're not in the greater St. Louis area and you're looking for something that you can't find anywhere else. Maybe Larry's got it. They have an extensive catalog. Catalog? Collection slash catalog is now catalog. I've coined the word uh, of back issues and things like that as well. Check them out. Once again, BugsComicsAndGames.com. Very proud to have them as the official comic book sponsor here on geek to me Radio. We're talking with Greg Wiseman all about Catwoman Hunted, brand new on Blu-ray, uh, this coming Tuesday, February the 8th, and we'll tell you how you can win a copy if you keep listening to this broadcast. Uh, before we took that last break, we were chatting with Greg about the Young Justice cast working on the season during COVID versus the regular recording when they're all together. Yeah, and you know, we someone always has to go first, but we can always, for whoever goes after, on YJ at least, excuse me, um, YJ, we can at least uh, play, you know, like, okay, that character you're playing with, we can play you his, his lines before mm. you read yours, you know. Mm. Um, uh, someone has to go first, though, and that person's in a vacuum, you know. Uh, but like I said, I, I think, you know, listening to, we recorded about 12 and a half episodes of, of season four of Young Justice, um, maybe not even that many, maybe 10 and a half. Um, uh, yeah, 10 and a half episodes of Young Justice pre-pandemic mm -hmm. in with group records. Um, and then the last 14 and a half or however, not good at math, um, we're all recorded, you know, everyone individually. And, you know, I challenge anyone to be able to really tell the difference. Um, uh, if I hadn't spelled out exactly just now where the cutoff was, um, <laughs> You know, uh, I don't think that anyone would be able to really notice any change between the between the two methods. Uh, but, yeah, it takes some of the fun out of it, of the process, let's say. I'm sure. I'm sure. And obviously, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, I read that you guys had to switch studios uh, during I'm not sure if it was due to COVID or just during the pandemic. And you switched studios anyway to Atlantis Oceanic Picture and Sound. Uh, to kind of make it a little easier for the actors to come in? Or was that something that was going to, the studio switch was going to take place regardless? No, no. It, and it's Atlas, not Atlantis. Atlas, it's, I'm sorry. Uh, Atlas, I can't even read but, my own uh, writing. Yeah, we were at a studio called Bang Zoom and then pre-pandemic. And then once the pandemic hit, initially, uh, no one came in. We didn't have a studio. We were, uh, in essence, every uh, actor was recording from uh, their homes. Um, Dan McKellar, for example, who plays Miss Martian, set up a little recording booth in her son's bunk bed. Like she put <laughs> sheets down. Uh, you know, some of the actors have very professional studios at home and others did not. You know, I voice a character, uh, a couple characters on the show, and I have no way to record at home. Hmm. 
Um, so initially though, we were doing that and it was a very slow going process. And, and then finally we got, uh, we found that the studio Atlas had a uh, recording booth with a door that opened onto the parking lot so that an, an actor could literally, uh, drive up, get out of their car, walk into the booth, record their stuff, walk out. The engineer would be behind the glass when the actor walked out someone would come in and thoroughly clean and disinfect you know the recording the booth right mm. so the actor had no human contact whatsoever and that was the advantage that atlas gave us that allowed the actors who wanted to they didn't have to but those who wanted to come in because they didn't have great setups at home that allowed them to um to do their thing in, in a booth and that included me I, I did not have a setup at home i was able to come into the studio and uh work that way um because i like i said I, i've got no way to do this here you mentioned the characters you played i think uh, among them lucas carr and ultra humanite when you're when you're doing the voice was that just something that uh, the, the person who was supposed to do that couldn't do the role was that something you kind of like hey I really want to do ultra humanite. How, how do you end up getting the voice roles that you end up doing yourself in young justice? Uh, back in season one, I really wanted to play red tornado. Mm -hmm. And my partner, Brandon Vietti said, well, I don't know. Uh, why don't you audition for it? <laughs> so I auditioned <laughs> for red tornado and I thought I did a really good job. And he's like, no. <laughs> uh, and then we hired Jeff Bennett to play Red Tornado, and and it's like, okay, well, yeah, if you're going to compare me to Jeff Bennett, then I suck. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, hey, it's a robotic character. I can handle that. I've got the acting chops to sound robotic. Um, so I, I actually think it was Brandon who suggested that I play Lucas. I mean, he knew I wanted to play something. I always like to take at least one role in everything I do. I mm -hmm. don't know if that's like a Hitchcock thing or if it's yeah, just – sure. It's vanity, probably. <laughs> um, but uh, I enjoy doing it, and I like to keep my hand in that way as well. And and he likes me as Lucas Carr Brandon does. Um, and uh, then when we finally had uh, Ultra Humanite do a voice in season three, uh, I asked for that one too. And I think by that time, uh, Brandon had A, seen what I could do as an actor more and felt more comfortable with it. But B, we also knew that we were a gonna, uh, it's an a within the B, uh, we were going to <laughs> pitch it way down cause mm -hmm. I'm playing a gorilla. Right. Uh, and also because, uh, ultra humanite's voice comes out of this speaker on his chest. Uh, we were also going to futz it a little. So between the pitch down and the futz, it more or less doesn't sound like me anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I think Brandon was fine with me playing ultra humanite. Uh, so it, so those are my two roles, Lucas, which is basically just my voice, and Ultra Humanite, uh, which is me doing a, a raspy thing that we then pitch way the hell down and which we futz as well so that um, it's almost unrecognizable as Greg Weissler. <laughs> that's, that's cool. You've got a friend like Brandon who will tell you, yeah, no, Red Tornado, not so much, but who will then you know if he says, yeah, Lucas and Ultra Humanite, then you know he's being sincere. So that's good. Yeah. And right. what, I got to give you a credit too on uh, to go back to season three from an outsiders. 
I have never been more terrified of Granny Goodness than I was in that season. My goodness, that was <laughs> one of the most terrifying iterations of the character I've ever seen. Uh, you know, I, I love our version of Granny Goodness, and I uh, also want to give credit to Deborah Strang, who plays her, who has just got the character and was able to, you know, bring the warmth when before we before the care the other i mean the audience always knows she's great goodness mm -hmm. but before the other characters realize who gretchen good is she was able to bring the, the warmth i mean uh deborah play, played aunt may for me on spectacular spider-man where the warmth was real yeah but with with gretchen or granny you know she was able to take that and make it sound sincere and yet you know you know that this woman cannot be trusted and she could bring the sardonic stuff and she could bring the anger. She just could play all those notes. And uh, so, you know, loads of credit to Deborah and to Jamie Thompson who directed her. And then, you know, great uh, character design on granny by Bill Barasa. And it all added up to a lot of fun for us. You mentioned being there during the voice work and everything like that. I, it's one of those things I love seeing the characters. Like, obviously, there's plenty of footage of Mark Hamill voicing Joker, but I love I loved seeing that behind the scenes, how they, like you just mentioned with Deborah, how she runs that gamut of emotions to kind of see it kind of wash over them and change their, their posture and everything like that. I love seeing stuff like that. And then obviously, like you said, that's part of the fun of you being able to be in there with them, in the room, seeing that and uh, kind of feeling that from them. Yeah, it it. You know, voice recording is um, one of my favorite parts of the whole process. It's one of the most rewarding because you got the script and, you know, you it was blood, sweat and tears to get the script completed. Now that's done. And now you just watch these amazing actors bring it to life. Um, and that's an incredibly rewarding uh, moment. Kind of my second favorite um, part of the whole production process. I went back, uh, knowing that I was going to have you on, I went back to listen to that episode that we had you on before because it was uh, all, five and a half years ago now that we've gotten to speak. Uh, but you mentioned at the time when we were talking about, hey, Young Justice, we'd love to see it brought back. You mentioned that the toys, the toy line helps a lot of times pay for the cartoon. And that when the toy line kind of stopped, that was when the company was like, well, yeah. Uh, but I feel like they're missing an opportunity to have a toy line put out based on outsiders and based on phantoms has there been any talk that you've heard of of doing a young justice line of figures again i haven't heard of anything hmm. i mean i'm glad that our survival is no longer tied to that sure um but god knows i'm a fanboy and i'd sure love to see um you know someone take up that license and and make the toys because i want them <laughs> uh uh i haven't heard word one about that uh so i assume nothing's happening on that end of things but you never know i'm not uh, hooked into consumer products over at warner brothers yeah. so maybe they've got something going but not that i've heard of it would be nice. i just like having the toys too because i know uh, i got to the chance to meet kari payton and i brought him my original young justice aqualad figure and the big biggest smile came over his face when he saw it because people are bringing him walking dead stuff and he's like oh my gosh this is amazing and i know uh just the, there's such a fan base built in for young justice you've obviously seen the love on twitter that i i think it would it would seem like a new toy line for the especially these last two seasons would be a no-brainer but what do i know uh, that's my response too. What do, what do I know? <laughs> I'd love to see it, but what do I know? Uh, it's just way above my pay grade. You know, I'm glad they let us make the show and I'm glad that I, and I am, I'm glad that 
you know, our fate isn't tied to, you know, a toy line anymore Absolutely. because that is what, that is what brought us down at the end of season two. We did, our ratings were good, mm-hmm. but our financing was tied into the toy line. And when the toy line didn't go forward, that killed us. But now that's not the issue anymore. Uh, I don't know whether or not we'll get to make a season five. We haven't been picked up yet, but it's not about consumer products anymore. Yeah. That can't hurt, you know, if people buy, there's not a lot of YJ merchandise, but there's sweatshirts and stuff. doesn't hurt if people buy that, but it really, it's just about viewership. It's about the number of watches recorded on HBO Max, you know, the number of times the episodes are viewed. Um, and as far as I can tell, that's the only real significant criteria. Everything else is just uh gravy or the lack of gravy but it but the, the meat of it is how many views on hbo max that's why that hashtag keep binging yj yeah is is still the key um hashtag i put forward because uh it's that's the big criteria uh, the only truly significant one and with that being the case where it was brought back, uh, the fan demand was there for it and everything like that. We've seen you guys got greenlit for a season four. Uh, hopefully, we'll, I don't see why it wouldn't get greenlit for a season five. That would be fantastic. But we've seen it, too, with uh, the Snyder Cut people. The hashtag's always going. They gave Zack Snyder an obscene amount of money to make uh, you know finish his version of Justice League. It seems like there's the Justice League animated series, Justice League Unlimited, which there's that, also that fan outcry for that, I, it almost seems that sometimes like Warner Brothers isn't taking notice when you were when they told you, hey, we're going to do a season three. Did they tell you anything about here's why the fan outcry, the, the views it was getting on Netflix? Was there anything they told you that would determine maybe where the Justice League reunion crowd can kind of go to kind of light a fire under them for that? I mean, again, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Justice League per se because I had no involvement in that. Right. I think obviously I think it's great, but. The answer seems obvious to me. I've got no inside information. I'm not even employed by Warner Brothers at this moment. But again, the answer is pretty obvious. The thing that got us back for season three was, without a doubt, people binging YJ over and over again on Netflix. Mm. And so if people want more of anything, um, you know, if people want more gargoyles, keep binging gargoyles over and over and over again on Disney+. Plus. If people want more... Justice League Unlimited, my advice, and that's all it is, um, is keep binging Justice League Unlimited over and over and over again on HBO Max. I mean, the advantage these days, and it's a real advantage, is that, you know, once upon a time when it was all about networks, you counted on Nielsen ratings. And Nielsen was a very inexact science, even in its heyday. You know, it was... Uh, statistical based in the sense that we get a Nielsen box in X amount of houses that represent this amount of people and et cetera. And you're still kind of guessing, well, on streaming, they know exactly how many people are watching. Right. I mean, you know, and how many times they're watching and whether they're watching the first five minutes and then shutting it off or whether they're watching the whole episode through, they have all the information. Now the disadvantage for, folks like us is that Nielsen used to publish their results Mm -hmm. and all these streaming services keep their results as proprietary. And so we don't know how well it's doing. We have no way of 
of knowing for sure if it's doing well. You know, things like a trending gives you a suggestion that it must be doing okay. But, you know, you don't know what the competition was that week that it was trending. So the answer is for any show um, is, and again, I don't, this is an insider information. This is just common sense to me. Right. Um, is whatever show you love, keep binging it and spread the word to other fans and get them all to keep binging it. Um, so, you know, that's what I'm trying to do for young justice is, is spread the word on Twitter or whatever to, for people to keep binging it so that we can get a season five. I, that's what I'm doing with gargoyles at Disney plus is just trying to spread the word to keep binging gargoyles on Disney plus, because that's the only way I see it coming back. Mm -hmm. Uh, for example, folks constantly tweet at me that they'd like to see more Spectacular Spider-Man. What should we do to do that? And I've got no idea because <laughs> Spectacular Spider-Man, there's no place to binge it. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least not in the States. Uh, and given that fact, I don't have a game plan. Uh, I don't know how to make that happen. It's not like I wouldn't like to make more Spectacular Spider-Man. I'd love to make more Spectacular Spider-Man, but I don't know how to make that happen when there's no way for the fans to demonstrate how much they want it. And that's, what's great about the streaming services and the, and the binging on these streaming services that the fans can demonstrate to the powers that be, we want more of this. We're going to binge the same episodes over and over and over and over and over again until you finally say, yes, we're going to make more. Um, and I don't know if that'll work, but it's the only way I know that can work. Um, so now I'll step off my soapbox and we can go on with the interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that, was, uh, that was a great answer. And we had Josh Keaton on the show not that long ago, and we are talking about this with him, that I've never seen a Spider-Man series, and there have been several, get the love that Spectacular Spider-Man had. It was just between the, the the writing and the characterization, the voice work that was done in the show. It it seems like it's a, a cut above the rest when you look at all the other uh, fan love out there for the other Spider-Man series. And we're going to find out what Greg has to say about all that love Spectacular Spider-Man gets. We'll talk with him about that. We'll also talk with him about Catwoman Hunted some more, Young Justice, Gargoyles. We'll get into all of it. We've still got some time left for our third segment. So keep listening here to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Hey, this is Phil Lamar. Who means Conrad? The samurai known as Jack. And you're listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. I want to make sure we tell you about our official movie sponsor, of course, Marcus Theaters. MarcusTheaters.com is the website. And you can also download the Marcus Theaters app. I've got it right here on my smartphone. You can see it for those of you who are watching. See, it pops up right there, Marcus Theaters Movie Tavern. If you're driving about and you're kind of like, hey, let's see a movie, you can figure out what the closest location is to you from the app. They also have their unlimited popcorn right now. You buy that tub and you get to fill that up with popcorn for $4.50 per visit. Uh, so each time you go, if you enjoy popcorn with your movie like I do, uh, that's a great way to save some money there. And, of course, if you join their Magical Movie Rewards program, you'll get a little card, and you show that, and you will get—they uh, give you free complimentary-sized popcorn on Tuesdays. 
$5 Tuesdays, too. Any movie at any Marcus Theaters location, just $5. So many great movies coming out. Moonfall is out. We're looking at a bunch of movies coming down now. Uh, They've got all sorts of great times. If you go to the website, you can find the time. Book your tickets right there. And their private movie screenings. I just saw something pop up. I know Joey was talking about going to Jackass. That also just came up. Uh, But they've got their private cinema starting as low as $99. You can rent a private cinema. Maybe you're celebrating a birthday, an anniversary. Uh, You could rent out a private theater for your significant other. If you want to celebrate Valentine's Day and just the two of you in your private theater, it's kind of cool. If you're both, maybe you met at the movies like uh, some people have, I know. But a lot of great movies out there to be seen. The best way to see them is in the best possible surroundings. So go to MarcusTheaters.com, book your tickets and get out there and see some movies with the greatest movie-going experience in the galaxy. MarcusTheaters.com. Very proud to have them as our official movie sponsor here. I also want to give a quick shout-out. During the break, we just got a new YouTube subscriber. So hello to Alexander Cornelio. Thank you for watching us on YouTube. Thank you for the subscription as well. If you're watching this right now, uh, if you're on Twitch, you can subscribe there. If you're on YouTube, subscribe there. We appreciate that. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram also at geeked me radio there we're talking with greg wiseman for the rest of this hour before we took that last break we'd asked him about the outpouring of love spectacular spider-man the show that he was the showrunner on writer on gets a lot of love we had josh keaton on talking about the show here's what greg wiseman had to say about that particular series what we consciously set out to do was to try and make a spider-man show that was as definitive for spider-man stylistically incredibly different but as definitive for Spider-Man as Batman the Animated Series was for Batman. Yeah. You know, now we're so used to that Bruce Tim style that it's easy to forget how stylized that style was when it first came out, how revolutionary that was mm-hmm. on Batman. And what uh, Sean Cheeks Galloway did for us on Spider-Man, I think, was equally um, revolutionary. It was both contemporary and classic. It was iconic and fresh. Um and it allowed our characters to move when animated in a way that um, some previous series had to struggle with because they were trying to make it look like a modern comic book with all the musculature and all the lines that go into that. And um, that's tough to animate. It's just hard. Yeah. So we did something that was stylized enough. This, uh, Vic Cook and I very consciously strove to do something on spectacular that um that our overseas animators could really go to town with and because one of the things that one of the ways i pitched that show was that we wanted a spider-man that moves the first of the toby mcguire movies had just come out and everyone had seen that in live action you know spider-man moving through the city and i'm like you know we've got to be at least that visceral because we're animating. We don't even have the excuse like, Oh, how hard would that be to shoot? You know, right. um, we had to be able to make it feel visceral that he was moving. And so we needed a style that would allow that. And that's what cheeks brought to the table. And then, uh, you know, when it came to the writing and the voice work and everything else, we just were very consciously trying to make the archetypal Spider-Man show. Um, and I think the what's great for us, what's nice for us, I guess I should say, is that a lot of fans responded to it in that way. And that's been very gratifying and very rewarding uh, 
to Vic and Chiefs and Josh and me and the other, you know, 200 people who worked on that show uh, because um, I do get a lot of really positive feedback from fans on it, which is wonderful. Um, most of them asked me to bring it back like it's under, under my control. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little less wonderful. I keep having to say, hey, love to, not up to me. Again, most fans are great. And some fans just um, don't seem to get that uh, just because I was one of the showrunners on that show. <laughs> it doesn't mean that I decide when we make it or not. Right. You wouldn't um, put yourself out of business and I'm going to cancel this show now. I'm just going to stop doing it. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't your choice. Yeah. People say to me, when that show was canceled, it broke my heart. I'm like, yeah, it broke your heart. It broke my heart. It also broke my wallet because I was out of work. Huh? <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, so I, it certainly wasn't my call to not do season three. I would have loved to have kept going, but it's just not up to me. And talking about the new or the renewals for shows, we did mention uh, Young Justice last time we had you on. We were talking all about wouldn't it be great to get season three. And I, I, I looked at the date and I think we had you on September 29th. The announcement that, hey, we're getting a season three was on November 7th. Did you have an inkling or when you were just playing it really cool on the show or did, did it surprise you when they announced it as well? Well, I knew about 10 days before the announcement. Okay, so not um, when you were with me then. Not when I was I was going to say, you. you played it really um, cool, dude, if that was the case. No, I mean, I did know that, uh, I mean, I guess I played it a little cool because I knew there was at least uh, the talk, mm. you know, like it, it wasn't like, wow, it was completely out of the blue. I had gotten a call from Sam Register, who uh, runs Warner Brothers Animation or, or ran it then, still does, but also now runs Cartoon Network and, and uh, probably 80 other things. But uh, um and Sam said, yeah, we're talking about it, but talking about it in this business that, uh, you know, to me, that's like, well, I guess that's better than not talking about it, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I didn't have anyone. I'm sure when I talked to you, um, I probably was keeping that bit from you and your audience. But the main reason I was keeping that is because, you know, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up. Oh, just right. The fact that they're talking about it doesn't mean anything. And then, yeah, about 10 days, I think, uh, before the announcement, uh, Sam called Brandon and I and, and said, uh, yeah, we're doing it. And uh, so I wasn't shocked when the announcement came up. But when, when I got the call about 10 days before that, um, I won't say I was shocked because that's what we've been working towards. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely like, yeah, you know, great, <laughs> you know, moment. It wasn't like I thought we had a lock before that time. Oh, yeah, this is going to happen. I didn't think that at all. I, I was hopeful. Yeah. But uh, but it's a long way from hopeful to, yeah, we're doing it. And so that was great. And, hell, I've been on shows where they say, yeah, we're doing it. And then you build up a crew. you got 40, 50 people working for you. And you've been working for months. And then – they say, oh, we're killing the show. Right. Everyone's out of work. Ugh. So, you know, and and that's even when we were making a show. And this was we hadn't even gotten there yet. So I uh, I uh, was keeping a little tight to the vest, but not much. I love the way you described Young Justice when we last spoke to you. You said it's a perfect binge watching show four years too soon. <laughs> it was, when, it, when it came out, that wasn't a thing people could do. Now that's all people do is binge watch shows. And I like the fact that you guys dropped some and then kind of trickle it out and we're getting the next half. Because to me, again, I'm, I'm a little older. Uh, and that's how I remember TV being. So I kind of prefer that method rather than having it drop all at once and you go through it. And then you're like, ah, oh, what am I going to watch next? 
Oh yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I uh, first off, I don't binge anything. Hmm. Uh, at my most, the most I'll ever do is watch you know an episode a day. But to me, that takes all the. I mean, just watch a movie. Then. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, to me, the whole all the juice of series TV is that sense of I watch it, I absorb it, then I move on to the next episode. So you know, if folks want to binge, literally binge. Um, this new stuff season four, they'll, they can wait till it's all done, I guess. And, and, and then watch 26 episodes in one sitting, but I don't recommend that. Um, and for me, uh, I am a big advocate of, no, I think one a week's the appropriate amount. And I don't even mind that they took a hiatus between episodes 13 and 14 this Mm -hmm. season, because there's a lot that happens in episode 13 and it's the culmination of the first half of the season. And I like the idea that the audience has to sit on it, that they have to, that there's water cooler talk, you know, yes. what does this mean? You know, uh, this happened at the end of the episode. What does that mean for what's happening in the rest of the season? And, and let them get their theories together. And then some of them may be right. And some of them may be wrong. Uh, but to me, that's the fun of series television is the build. Uh, over time and over episodes like you know i'm i'm an old guy that to me is uh is the nature of the beast uh and so when fans write me and going you just said all the episodes are done why aren't they just dropping them i'm like i, I don't want them to drop them i don't want that and they're like you're mean i'm like yeah i'm mean <laughs> you know <laughs> fine i won't give you any more episodes if you like it like that fine <laughs> With with that I being mean, the case, when they've got uh, the 13 episodes we're waiting to come out, last I saw, it was just announced spring of 2022. Unless I overlooked it, has there been an announcement of a date uh, for the last 13? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, we all, all we've got is spring. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nice and confident about spring. Okay. I mean, I'm truly confident about spring. I don't think it's going to be summer. I don't think you'll have to wait that long, but uh, uh, I don't do not have a official drop date for uh and i'm not being KJ. i don't have it no that's fine. Uh, an official drop date but they've said spring and that was always the plan and and i uh i imagine it'll it will happen and in between now and then like i said we've got on february the 8th the release of catwoman hunted uh with we mentioned the voice cast before stephanie beatriz playing batwoman elizabeth gilly is playing catwoman we've got lauren cohen from the walking dead as julia pennyworth the great keith david as tobias whale uh this particular series you've worked as a writer on the batman batman brave and the bold beware the batman you're doing a story in the kind of batman universe this is obviously like you mentioned stylistically different and everything else does this fit anywhere? Uh, one of our mutual friends, CB Nostalgia, asked, does this movie fit anywhere in a certain DC animated series universe timeline? Or is it just a standalone movie? Doesn't need to worry about where it fits in. Mostly the latter. Okay. It's a standalone movie. Uh, people have asked me, uh, particularly since Kelly Who and Zara Fuzzle are playing the same characters that they played in Young Justice, um, have asked me if it's in continuity with Young Justice. And what I say is that it's... Uh, Young Justice adjacent. It's okay. Earth 16, Earth 16 adjacent, um, which means that some events uh, are that take place in this movie are similar to events that took place in the Earth 16 continuity. Um, something like this happened, but um, 
we're not going to be uh, locked in. Uh, and I did something similar to this uh, years ago uh, called, uh, it was a uh, green arrow short for that DC showcase yeah. um, thing. And, and that was also young justice adjacent. People sort of can see that because in that green arrow short, we introduced the character of Perdita, the, um, the princess and then queen of Ladova who's the niece of Count Vertigo. Mm. And then we brought that character into Young Justice. Um, but in the short, just as an example, um, Perdita, I didn't produce that short. I wrote it, but I didn't produce it. And Perdita had dark hair and she spoke with an American accent when we brought her into Young Justice. Um, we made her a blonde like Count Vertigo literally to sort of show their familial connection a little stronger. And we had her speak with an Eastern European accent because she's from Eastern Europe. Why wouldn't she have that accent? Right. And um, so obviously Perdita's common to both. And, and so in essence, the stuff that takes place in that short, something like that at, at, at minimum took place in the young justice universe, but obviously there are differences as well. So, I think for Catwoman Hunted, it's the same kind of idea. It's Young Justice and adjacent, but I wouldn't sort of literally say it's Young Justice continuity. And you mentioned the anime style. Uh, the director, Shinsuke Terasawa, obviously his work in the animation department and art department on things like Pokemon the movie, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, obviously lends itself quite well to this particular style. How much of a, a conversation did you guys have as far as your vision as a writer, his version of a director? Did you get uh, much sit-down time to kind of talk about to fleshing out how the movie would go? Uh, I did not. Uh, Ethan, who... Uh produced the movie at this end i i imagine did but um so i wrote this movie in between season three and season four of young justice mm -hmm. and then you know by the time it really got going i was pretty deep into um season four of young justice so mm -hmm. my attention was sort of moved over there um but you know uh, you know, we decided from day one, this was an anime movie. We wanted Japan to go to town with this. You know, we, um, we weren't sort of saying, Hey, we want you to do our style. Right. We wanted them to do their style of film. And, and uh, again, just as with the voice acting, even though I wasn't present, um, these guys got the script, they delivered on what I was looking for in every way. I could not, be happier with this film despite the fact that i was not as involved with every element of it the way i would like a, an episode of yj uh you know um where i'm there from from a production standpoint from you know dawn to dusk you know uh all the way through at every stage of production i wasn't doing that on catwoman and nevertheless i i am thrilled with how it turned out i i when i when the movie came back and I saw it, um, I was like, wow, um, I am, I was blown away. Uh, every aspect of it was, uh, you know, what I imagined or better. Um, so, uh, I just hope fans pick it up and enjoy it because I think it turned out terrific. 
Absolutely. And like I said, we'll be giving away a couple of copies. So if you're listening to this interview right now, stand by. We're going to tell you how you can win a copy of Catwoman Hunted, which will be available on demand and on Blu-ray and DVD as of February the 8th. Uh, obviously, you're very active on social media, and we're looking forward to the back half of season four of Young Justice Phantoms. Uh, we've got Catwoman Hunted to look forward to. Anything else you can talk about that you're working on or you have in the works that we can look forward to? No. <laughs> uh, there's Catwoman Hunted on February 8th. There's uh, the back half of season four of Young Justice Phantoms in the spring. Uh, and uh, otherwise, uh, the only th- other things I'm working on, uh, you know, I've got NDAs I can't talk about yet. Of course. And, uh, you know, we're just sort of holding our breath and hoping that YJ gets picked up. But uh, uh, no news on that yet. So hopefully a season five of Young Justice, and hopefully we get more Gargoyles. If you're listening again, like like Greg was saying, go binge Gargoyles on Disney+, Plus because the more they see those numbers move, hopefully that will uh, green light a new project of some form for Gargoyles. That would be amazing. Yeah, agreed. This has been a blast to talk to you again. Hopefully it won't be another five years before we have you on again. So uh, <laughs> anything else comes up once the NDAs clear away, we'd love to have you on again. Uh, well, thanks, James. I appreciate it. And that's going to do it. Again, we also forgot to mention Eternals is back at Marcus Theaters. If you are wanting to go see Eternals February 4th through the 11th, thank you to our newest YouTube subscriber. We got another one during the break. And I want to say hello to Joe. I I thought I had it pulled up here, but I don't have it pulled up anymore. So I apologize. But we saw that uh, there it is. John Poe is what it was. John Poe. And, of course, we're going to give away the DVDs. Make sure you're following me on Twitter. We're going to do that giveaway later this week. Until then, my friends. When you make Game of Thrones references, that's a show. This is Geek Time Radio. That's a show. Make sure you stick around. Max on Movies is next. Thank you, as always, to Joey V for making the show sound as good as good as it does. Thank you, St. Louis. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser bit.ly slash geek to me bit.ly slash geek to me